Welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Greg Gonzalez. My goal for the podcast is to help you live a better life in retirement by giving you the tools and information you need in a language that you can understand. If you're a new listener to the podcast, this is a weekly retirement planning podcast. This is actually episode number 115. So if you haven't already, you can check out, there's 114 other previous episodes that you can scroll back and find the episodes that are interesting to you that would be helpful to you based on the topics. Because some episodes will not be applicable to your planning to your retirement. For example, if you don't have a pension, if your wife or husband does not have a pension, well, all the episodes that talk about pension planning, you might just skip over. So if you're like me and you're not going to have a pension when it comes to retirement, that doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes your planning different versus somebody that has been working. Maybe it's a union pension. Maybe it's a government pension or even a corporate pension, all different pensions. But the decision, how you claim that pension is incredibly important to the overall success of your retirement plan. But that decision is just one of many choices that you'll have to make as you're planning for a successful retirement. But on today's episode, I wanted to talk about two different topics that we really haven't discussed a whole lot over the you know two plus years we've been doing this podcast. One of those is charitable giving in retirement. And then the second is 529s or college savings plans and how our clients are utilizing those for not only tax advantages, but also as a solution to helping their kids and grandkids not only pay off student loans, but also fund their higher education costs. So when we're talking about retirement planning, it means much more than most people think about on the surface level, right? So we're asking people and we're trying to plan for the goals that people have. And I think we can all agree that everybody's goals are different. If one of your goals happens to be paying for Maybe it's just K through 12 for your grandkids, or maybe it's college education. Maybe it's getting them through a trade school and helping with all those expenses. Maybe it's one of your goals is helping to pay for your daughter or your granddaughter's wedding. We have other clients that their goals in retirement are able to kind of keep the family together and pay for family vacations, maybe once a year or every other year. And another thing is charitable giving. How do we continue to be charitable in retirement? What are the best ways to continue to tithe and also utilize all tax advantages that happen to be out there? So we're going to talk about that on today's episode. We're going to talk about 529 plans, college education savings for kids and grandkids, and then we're also going to talk about charitable giving in retirement. So stick with us. Those are going to be the two topics that we cover today. Before we get into that, I wanted to just remind listeners to check out my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. Very simple, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. While you're there, you can download my retirement secret sauce. That's available for free, as well as my three steps to planning for a successful retirement. It's right underneath the resources tab. You'll see step number one is a blueprint to a dream retirement. Step number two is our budgeting tool, figuring out what that dream retirement is going to cost us month in and month out. And then step number three is what I call our retirement action plan. That's where the rubber meets the road. That's our blueprint. Like if you were building a house, 
you start with a blueprint. And the purpose of the retirement action plan is to kind of serve as your roadmap to get you through retirement to help you answer all of those questions you're going to be faced with. When do I claim my social security to optimize my income? How do I minimize my lifetime tax liabilities? What's going to be my strategy? What's the optimal way to claim my pension option? What about health insurance in retirement? Those are all topics that are going to be covered in that retirement action plan. And the last thing I wanted to mention is you'll notice on the homepage, we are offering something new. It's called a 30-minute retirement coaching session. It's just simply a phone call where we talk about your retirement, your situation, and help you answer all the questions you have in a 30-minute coaching call. So you can sign up for that right there. Again, it's complimentary to podcast listeners. You can pick a time on my calendar, and we'll plan on it. That's something brand new that we're doing for podcast listeners, a 30-minute retirement coaching call. All right, let's jump into today's episode where we're talking about college savings plans like 529s, And then also charitable giving in retirement. How are we seeing people maximize their charitable giving once they retire? So let's start off with college savings plans. Many of you are familiar with 529 plans. So many of our clients, you know, once they retire, getting close to retirement, maybe they have young grandkids and many of them have a goal of helping with the college education expenses of their grandchildren. So I have clients that say, hey, we want to start contributing $100 a month, or maybe it's $50 a month, whatever it happens to be for their grandchild's college education. So 529 plans, by and large, are the most popular. There's also ESAs that are available, but those are limited to $2,000 a year. So the most popular seems to be 529 college savings plans. Now, depending on what state you live in, there may be a state income tax deduction for your contributions. So here in Missouri, a couple, there's no income cap, so it doesn't matter how much money you can make, you you still get the state income tax deduction here in Missouri. So in our state, the maximum deduction is the first $16,000 for a couple married filing jointly. If somebody's single they can contribute up to $8,000 in a 529 and still get a Missouri state income tax deduction. So it's different state to state. So check the rules and regulations in your state. Now, the real beauty in my eyes, other than getting a state income tax deduction, if your state allows that, is once the money's in there, it grows tax-free and all that growth will be tax-free as long as it's used for qualified education expenses for your kids, grandkids, even yourself. And if grandma and grandpa open up this 529 plan for their grandson or granddaughter, well, they call the shots on this. They get to determine how and when the money is distributed from the 529 plan, but the money has to come out for the benefit of the grandchild. And the education expenses, either K through 12, either a trade school, or maybe a two-year community college, local college, or a four-year university to pay for higher education expenses. And the rules are very, very liberal. I mean, what is a qualified education expense? I mean, it's everything from books to tuition and fees to laptops. So 
Rarely do I see money in a 529 plan that's not used. If it did go unused, well, you could change the beneficiary to another blood relative of your grandchild, and then that person would be able to utilize the money for qualified education expenses. What if after that, what if we ran out of blood relatives to to name as a beneficiary of the 529 plan? It's not really the end of the world. You would pay 10% penalty on the growth, plus you would pay capital gains on the growth as well. But again, rarely do I see that happen. And that's not the end of the world paying some taxes on only the growth. The other option, if you didn't want to do a 529 college savings plan, some people will do a Coverdell, also called an ESA. You can look that up. They're becoming less and less common because the annual contribution limit is still $2,000 per year. And then some people will set up instead of a 529 plan because they're afraid that, okay, what if my grandson goes in the military and this money is not able to be used for qualified education expenses? Maybe they'll set up what's called a custodian account, either an UTMA or an UGMA. And what that basically means, it's basically a brokerage account where you are the owner as the parent or the grandparent And the beneficiary is, let's say, your grandchild, but you get to determine how the money is invested and how it kind of grows over the years. But once your grandchild reaches the age of majority in your state, the money is theirs. Now, most states, it's either 18 or 21. And then upon that point, the account would essentially belong to your grandchild and they could determine what they wanted to use the money for, whether it was to buy a new car to use it for college, whatever. But you have no say in how the money is used. Whereas a 529 plan, again, you are the owner of the account. You get to determine exactly when and how the distributions will be taken. So you might be thinking, well, what is this college education planning? How does that impact my retirement? Well, so many people have a goal of helping out with their grandkids' college education expenses or even their weddings. Now, that may not be a goal of yours, but for those people that, like myself, like one of my goals, for example, I don't have any grandkids yet. I just have a one daughter who's an infant, but I know how long it took me to pay off my student loans, and I know what a burden it was for me until I was almost 30 to get those paid off, and I don't want my kids and grandkids to go through what I went through. So one of my goals is to, if I can plan for it and afford it, to be able to help pay for my kids and my grandkids' college education, because I just think it's a gift. You know, if you do have that diploma, you have earned that degree, it's something that no one can ever take away from you. And even if they wanted to go into the trades and become a painter or a plumber, well, the 529 plan can be used for the trade schools as well. So how do you determine what your goals are in retirement? Well, the first step is going to my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. And underneath the resources tab is step number one to planning a successful retirement. It's figuring out what your goals are and what you want out of retirement. And you can download my blueprint to a dream retirement. And if you're married, I would recommend that both spouses fill it out because you'll have different goals. I've mentioned this on a lot of podcasts, but there was a story about the guy who built IBM, the company, a Fortune 500 company, IBM, his name was Thomas Watson, and a reporter asked him once, how did you build such a marvelous company? It's a huge, IBM is an incredible company. How did you build it? 
He said, well, it's pretty simple. I just thought about what I wanted and I worked backwards. It's the same with retirement planning. First, we got to figure out what we want out of retirement, what our goals are. Then we figure out what that's going to cost us. And then last, our third step is a retirement action plan, which is really just our plan of attack to get what we want. What we first got to figure out what we want out of retirement, and that's the blueprint to a dream retirement. All right, let's jump to the second segment for this episode to talk about charitable giving in retirement. And this has changed. This has really changed over the last couple of years. But what I see so many people doing is once they hit 72, they have what's called a RMD, a required minimum distribution. And these are distributions that we can plan for because we know they're ahead. We know they're coming in the future. So if you retire at 65, well, you know at 72, if you're not taking distributions out of your pre-tax buckets, like your IRA and 401k, 403b, once you hit 72, you are required to start taking distributions and paying the taxes on those distributions. And every year as you get older, they make you take a little bit more. And there's a table that helps us calculate how much this is going to be. When you're 80 years old, for example, you have to start taking 4.95% of your IRA or 401k balance. So if you had a million dollars in your IRA at age 80, that means you would need to take an annual distribution that year of $49,500 and pay ordinary income taxes on that amount. But what if we're charitably inclined? What if we tithe 10%? Well, for a lot of our clients that are 72 and older, what they will do is they will use part of this RMD, required minimum distribution, and send that directly to their church or charities that they're passionate about. And then that way they're not taxed on that money. So let's just assume this hypothetical person is 80 years old. We'll call him Joe. And he takes his RMD, $49,500. He can do what's called a qualified charitable distribution and take that entire RMD or part of it. He doesn't have to do all of it. He can do part of it and send that directly to his church. So let's say, just to keep this very simple, let's say he wanted to do the entire RMD amount, which is again, $49,500. He does what's called a qualified charitable distribution. So that goes to his church. And then on his tax return, he reports that, hey, this distribution from my IRA was a qualified charitable distribution. So he is not taxed on that $49,500 and neither is his church because his church is a 501c3 nonprofit. Now, again, he doesn't have to do the entire $49,500 of required minimum distributions, but just to keep this example simple, I am saying that I'm assuming he does the full amount and his church is happy because they get the full amount. He's happy because he doesn't have to pay taxes on the $49,500. So this is a really neat way for people that are 72 and older to be able to use their IRAs, which are pre-tax money, or maybe it's a 401k, same difference, and 
use that for their charitable giving, but also not pay taxes on the distribution. And then your favorite church or charities, again, they're 501c3s, they don't have to pay taxes on that amount either. So for all the people that are very charitably inclined, I would encourage you to to think about this strategy. And again, if you retire at 62, you might not be able to do this until you're 72. But this strategy really, really can help you tax-wise and will help you accomplish your goals of charitable giving in retirement. And then the last strategy I wanted to mention was what's called a a donor-advised fund. These are becoming more and more popular as a result of the 2017 Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, where the standard deduction went way, way up to, I think it's now $29,500. So what a lot of people do, and I'll try to keep this simple, I could talk about donor-advised funds for three hours, and they're fairly simple to understand once you kind of learn the basics of them. But what some people do is, let's say somebody gets a big inheritance and they want to do some sizable charitable giving with this. What they would be able to do is, let's say they took $50,000, put that into a donor-advised fund, and then they're able to take a deduction. They're able to itemize that year and use that $50,000 as a charitable gift in that year. Now, the money then sits in a donor-advised fund, that $50,000, and they get to determine how and when the money is distributed. But once it's in the donor-advised fund, it is earmarked for churches, charities, that kind of thing. Any recognized 501c3. Now, once the money is in there, you can actually invest it in the donor-advised fund, which is really cool. You can invest in mutual funds or ETFs or stocks, whatever you want, and then the money grows and grows tax-free. That's the idea. And then over the years, you can send the money out, send the gifts out to the churches and charities that you desire. So the whole idea behind the donor-advised fund is let's give a big gift in one year to the donor-advised fund, and we'll be able to bunch that maybe years of giving into one year where we can get a big tax break in that year. And then once the money's in that donor-advised fund, we can just in future years do all of our giving out of that fund. But there's no required annual giving or anything like that. And then again, the other advantage is once the money's in there, it can grow tax-free. And the last thing I wanted to mention real quick, as far as legacy planning and naming our beneficiaries, if you're going to name, let's say your favorite church or charities that you're passionate about, well, guess what? In my opinion, it makes most sense to name them as beneficiaries of pre-tax accounts like 401ks or IRAs where the money is pre-tax. If we name our church as the beneficiary of that IRA and we were to pass away, the church would inherit the money. Again, all taxes have not been paid on this money in this IRA or 401k. They would get the full amount. And since they're a nonprofit, 501c3, they don't have to pay taxes on that. Versus if you named a person like a son or daughter or loved one or family member or friend, that person would have to pay income taxes on the amount you left them in the IRA. So they may be left with 70 cents on the dollar after paying income taxes versus your favorite church or charity. They're not going to have to pay any income taxes and they get the full amount in the IRA. So I would rather leave Roth IRAs to people or brokerage or non-qualified accounts to people 
And then for our legacy planning, if we're going to leave any amount of money to a nonprofit, church, charity, that kind of thing, I would recommend doing so with pre-tax dollars inside of an IRA or 401k. And I'll go one step further, appreciated stock. Let's say somebody has really, really appreciated stock. Maybe it's company stock. What I find them saying to themselves is, I don't want to sell this stock because I'll pay capital gains taxes. And meanwhile, they're doing all their giving out of their checking account or savings accounts. And what I say to them is, you can do your charitable giving with stock and you can give the appreciated stock, then your favorite church or charity can sell the stock. And since they're a nonprofit, they don't pay any capital gains and they get that full amount. So there's a lot of planning as far as charitable giving that we can do. But if giving is one of your goals in retirement, make sure your certified financial planner knows that so they can come up with a strategy in your retirement action plan to maximize the full potential of your charitable giving. I hope this episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast has been helpful. If you have questions, go to my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. At the bottom, it says, ask Greg a question. Submit all your questions there. And if you're interested in a 30-minute retirement coaching session up at the top, you can click on the link and go ahead and book some time on my calendar. I will see you next time. And remember, always dream big. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, tax advisor, or financial advisor prior to investing. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific investment. Your results may vary. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices mentioned are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The SmartVestor program is a directory of investment professionals. Neither Dave Ramsey nor SmartVestor are affiliates of St. Louis Retirement Advisors or LPL Financial. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, Memra FINRA, SIPC.